0: You know, I think AI, particularly in healthcare, is a very, very delicate subject. But it gets thrown out a lot, right? So, so does Push Doctor have AI today? Yes, we do. We have spell check, spell check is AI. Uh, great, woohoo! We we have AI. But I think the market has got AI into thinking, well, you don't need a doctor anymore. This AI thing is going to diagnose.
1: Today, I'm talking to Waze Shafter, the CEO of Push Doctor, and we're finding how they are plugging the demand for digital services in the NHS. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we share interviews with leaders from across the industry and bring you some news and opinion. On today's show, Akish and Haley. Uh, before I hit record, we were talking about the lovely weather this weekend and how nice it was to see people out and about. I was telling you,
2: when I, that we went for a, went for a walk, which for me was a hike, but for the other half it was a bit of a...
1: Just walk seven out. kilometers for anyone interested <laughs> it's not not really
2: yeah. a hike around yeah. urban london yeah no but um but then walking back through um uh, walking back through peckham rye and, and and the park yeah it was it was mad like seeing so many people out and actually saw like a few barbecues um on the go which was like you're just it's walking grim. through yeah well you're, you're walking through you're like is that burgers and sausages i can smell and you kind of look in the distance <laughs> there's like a it's like a little family with just a little portable barbecue. I was like, go on
1: then. Right. So, so I, I <laughs> went for a walk in Richmond and it was heaving. Right. There's this terrible app, right? Terrible, terrible app called Next Door, which is basically kind of this community app for people that, that, that basically is a lot of people moaning about each other. There is this picture submitted by someone just saying lockdown ended. Did I miss the announcement where lockdown in Richmond has ended? Sent this photo by a concerned friend today. Unbelievable. One of the replies underneath it said, "Your concerned friend was clearly there as well. Maybe all these people were concerned friends taking photos of each other." <laughs> I, I so get funny. that, like, yeah, I get that. It might be slightly concerning, especially when we haven't seen crowds for so long to suddenly see lots of people. But if you live in an urban area and you get weather like that, and you've got people who've been cooped up, and especially if they've got kids and they haven't really got outdoor space, kind of what the expects going to happen?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And also, I think, can we also just address one point as well? These social media platforms, right? I don't know if you guys have noticed, but have you just seen the comments on things at the moment? Like, the amount of animosity and hate and, like, just people pulling out their claws at any given opportunity at each other is ridiculous. Like, I don't know. So negative. Yeah, it's just... and, And everyone's going in at each other. I've never seen anything like this. Like... If you look on Twitter, if you look on um, Instagram, like just look at the comments on things, like you know, on on probably I shouldn't say this, but like Lad Bible or Joe and yeah these sorts of things, where even even the I'm sure you guys have heard of Simple Politics, right? And you, if you read the comments and things, and the people just going in on each other. It's so personal at the moment. I'm like, wow, everyone just needs to chill out. Get outside to
3: Richmond, get some fresh air.
2: (laughs) I think everyone just needs a release.
1: In the same way, though, that that, that people needed to obviously show a bit of respect and compassion and give people space and whatever else. People need to understand that where people have been cooped up in houses and it's been winter, if there's a bit of sunshine, families are likely to go for walks and Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know... Be a bit understanding of that too. And yeah, don't get keyboard warriory.
2: Literally relax, because you wouldn't say it to someone. Like, I'd love these people to go up to each person in Richmond Park and, and ask them what their issue is and why they're out. They wouldn't say it. Don't say it on social media. Keep your views to yourself and chill out.
1: Our interview today, Weiss, Push Doctor CEO. Couldn't be more relevant or topical, really, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so we'll dive straight into that. Then we'll come back with some commentary afterwards. And then we'll have a little bit of news later on in the show. On today's show, I'm joined by Weiss. Uh, Weiss, you're the CEO of Push Doctor. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking some time to chat to me. Thank you. Good morning to you, David. I always like recording on a Friday. Uh, not that this will, you know, it might go out on a Tuesday, but uh, it's nice to record on a Friday. The listeners should know that. Uh, end of the week and people are beginning to, to unwind a bit.
0: Indeed, even the better when the sun's out as well. It, it creates a positive start to it all.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and to be fair, I have noticed that the evenings are beginning to get longer now. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, it makes a massive difference. <laughs>
0: Huge. Huge. I, I hear you, David. I hear you. <laughs>
1: and look, it's not entirely uh, uh, not relevant because you know, Push Doctor is. Health, health, and well-being, and so on, and I, I think you know we've probably all been suffering some some fatigue, uh, being stuck in our houses in the dark for a lot of for a lot of time now. So mm. that's got to be a positive. Um, look for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with Push Doctor, let's start there. Tell us a little bit about the business.
0: Sure. So we're predominantly a tele telemedicine company. Telehealth is probably the category that it's under. At the moment, primarily, we provide video consultations uh, with the NHS. Um, so we are the NHS's largest digital partner in the UK. Um, we serve over 500 uh, GPs. So we ultimately partner with your GP practice, hospital or other, to provide digital consultations. So the big USPs really are, from a patient's perspective, you get to have an appointment at a time which is convenient for you. Um, you bypass the traditional, let me phone a surgery. You'll simply download the app. You'll choose a time which works for you. Um, and if your surgery is partnered with us, um, then ultimately the consultation will happen by the app. Um, our partners within the NHS, <clears throat> sorry, they'll divert some of their demand towards us. Um, so they do not need to resource, um, but ultimately they can also provide a digital solution for their patients and, and, and ultimately help with, with the, their demand. Um, so we provide a number of, of, of other products, but I'd say our, our video consultation platform is, is, is the most um, used Um, We also have a triage product. So ultimately, David could download the app, can talk about a few symptoms, let's say mental health. We can then refer you directly to mental health and the clinician on the mental health side can consult with you. Um, So, again, you'd bypass that traditional, I'll make an appointment, I'll see my GP, I'll get referred. And then at some point, I'll have a mental health specialist. Mm. Um, And what makes our product unique is that whole journey is fully integrated. So we are the only provider in the market which is fully integrated at every single level with the NHS. So with that example that I've just given you, that mental health clinician that sees you will have full access to your patient medical records, the ability to read and write in real time with your consent. And therefore, that clinician can be armed more to to be able to, to, to consult with you. I mean, ultimately, if they have records to say you suffer, for example, from asthma, um, that can be part of your mental health and it helps them consult with you. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's naturally grown quite, uh, quite excessively. We're, 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 we've got over 500 GP practices uh, that are partnered with us. We are also partnered with eight hospitals. And then we have a number of partnerships within mental health, um, UTIs, other conditions as well, where we um, physios, um, which we also support in.
1: So this the, you touched there a little bit on 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 the unique aspect of your solution. We've had a couple of other telehealth uh companies on the podcast in the past. Just so just so I'm clear uh, because this this might be a difference between you and some of some of your competitors. Um but the, the the patient remains therefore with their GP practice. You're not asking them to sign up to yours. They they start they they stay rather part of the existing uh, uh NHS um supply chain i, I, I don't know how, how, how else to call it yeah. ecosystem
0: because no, exactly that 100 and i think you know we we've done a lot of research and, and look a lot of companies decide to do things the way they want to do it we did a lot of research on this and ultimately the trust of the patient and the convenience of the patient is who they are registered with um so so we allow that to be uh to to do our, our service allows that to happen but ultimately you know the, the the Achilles heel or or the challenge that we found from practices were there's huge demand from patients on a digital solution. How do we get a digital solution out there? And we found the best way of doing that was partnering with GP practices to say, look, NHS, look, GP, look, hospital. You're absolutely brilliant at what you do. There is a demand to and, and a support mechanism this way. We can provide this in partnership with you. The patient is still signed up to you. Everything is still there. But ultimately, we can support you. With digital and technology, which is still, I don't want to say it's new to the NHS because it's not, but it's something that the NHS has adopted faster than any other sector I've seen. And and the more expertise we can bring into the sector, the better.
1: Now, talking about expertise coming into the sector, and this is not a trite point, I promise you, but you, you studied law at university. You then worked at Just Eat and Treat Well, uh, and you, you came into Push Doctor initially as COO, right?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs>
1: How's that journey been? Because... I'd imagine there are a huge amount of experts within the business helping to kind of give that that sector knowledge. But for you, this is the first time that you've worked in the healthcare sector, right?
0: Indeed, no, exactly that. And and to be honest, it's been an absolute, absolutely phenomenal um, journey for me uh, from a personal perspective. I mean, correctly, correctly as you mentioned, I was supposed to be a lawyer. Um, it was <laughs> what the, the family were putting pressure on, but uh, it, it was it wasn't you know not not criticizing any lawyer, but it, it just wasn't for me. I didn't find it fun enough. Um, and I need something that that, that, that could really uh, bring bring a lot of joy and fun and entrepreneurship as as other companies do. So I spent phenomenal six years at Just Eat. Absolutely love my time there and a further three years at Treatwell. But the key thing that I learned in those spaces, uh, sectors, which is very different to, to what we have here, is there I learned... The, the, the consumer patient, the product mindset, how do we get a patient out to market? How do we get it adopted? A lot of core principles that you will find with digital marketplaces. When I came to healthcare, it was a completely different ball game because a responsibility came on my shoulders. Now, that, that doesn't mean I just did and treat well, you know, getting takeaway and or manicure pedicures um, weren't important, but, but now I'm dealing with saving people's lives or supporting people's healthcare. And with that became an absolute massive responsibility. And, and when I came in, my expertise was to support digitalize this sector. What I learned very, very early on, and I'm so grateful that I, that, that I did, was you, know, you can digitalize, but you have to make sure it's done in the right way. And when I say the right way, it follows all the NHS guidelines, all the regulatory needs. All of that is so important to making sure that you are providing the safest healthcare uh, product that you are. So very, very early on, the first team I actually invested in was uh, a a medical team, a governance team. So we brought in the previous chief medical, uh, the the previous chair of Warrington CCG. He now sits on our exec as our chief medical officer in the exec team, having clinical representation, which is very, very important. One of our board members actually is 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 also a previous uh, clinician. Um, We also have the previous NHS uh, um, chair or NHS improvement chair on our board as well. So we have strong representation on our board, strong representation in our exec team, but also we had to create a clinical governance team um, which audits orders, audits consultations, and really helps guide me and the team on okay, you're building this product. Is it following the right protocols? Is it putting the patient's safety at the heart of what it does? Is it prescribing correctly? Are we supporting doctors in this journey? And that was something I had never done before. In in the restaurant sector, I didn't have to bring restaurant owners in. We learned a lot from them. In a beauty world, we didn't have to bring beauticians in. But in this sector, it was very, very important to create a clinical governance team and a medical team, which is, um, and it continually will do. It it gets the biggest investment in our organisation and rightfully so continues to do so.
1: Look, you made some, some, obviously very important points there around making sure that medical governance is at the heart of the business, but to be perfectly blunt as well, surely your commercial knowledge yeah. has been invaluable in dealing with the NHS and, and making sure that the, biz, that, that, that the product, you know, you are what working with 500 GPs, eight hospitals and other aspects of healthcare. Yeah. That surely only made possible from someone maybe with, with external perspective. Yeah. Of, of, of the
0: system. I mean, it's, it's it's certainly an interesting one because so, so, I mean, I don't want to blow my trumpet um, at all on, on this, but I think the key thing in partnering with the NHS is partnering in the right way. And I think, you know, the, 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 there's this myth and this feeling that the NHS is closed and difficult to work with, et cetera, et cetera. The NHS are very, very protective of patients and very, very protective of, of data, uh, which is, which, which, which for a lot of companies is the goldmine of the NHS. And, and ultimately, when, when you approach and partner with the NHS in the way that we do, you know, yes, we, we've got to understand where the sector is. They were very analog once upon a time, right? They were focused on fax machines, pages. That's how they did, you know, outside of a year and a half ago, not everybody had Wi-Fi or fiber within, within their space. It was, it's something totally new. Um, so bringing that in and, and bringing the adoption of that and doing that in the correct way and then looking at the commercial piece. Of course, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Of course, we, we, you know, we, the business won't survive without a commercial aspect of it, of course. But it's very, very important to bring the sectors in. And in every single sector, it's the same. The more involvement they have, the more they're involved in the product, the more they feel as though they are contributing and making a valuable contribution, it's very important. All the products that we put out to market is from our partners. We hear from our patients what, what what would you like? We then speak to our doctors and our partners, what would be good for your area. And and that really helps drive the product roadmap and 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 it's it's been very successful for us at the moment.
1: Out of interest, when you're when you're building partnerships and relationships with the NHS, where do you think the kind of the key relationships are? Because people are kind of aware of the the, the changes to the way that technology is uh governed within the nhs obviously through the, the changes that the government has made this year and and the development of their track and trace app and, and and how structurally how that's that's affected the 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 organization um so is it is it working with that kind of central piece or is it more an emphasis on going out and building relationship with an individual trust and then maybe proliferating through relationships and people who know other, other people in other in other trusts and and doing it that way
0: yeah, I mean, it's an absolute brilliant question, and and the simple answer is probably a bit of all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we stay very, very closely in touch with NHSX, NHSD, NHSE, and the central team. Um, spend, or well, we used to spend quite a bit of time in Skipton House in uh, in, in 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 London. Um, so, that, so that is important. But but at the same time, of course, it's important to have the relationships with the trusts and have the relationship with the individual GP practices. So, to to give you a simple example, you know, there could be a tender for digital consultations made available in Bradford. It's part of, you go to the CCG, the tender is signed off and won, et cetera, and, and there are 50 GP practices that this, this rolls out to. The CCG will give the money, but it doesn't mean that the practice has to adopt it. You know, they, they, they make it as an option to, to, to have it available. So it'll be really down, and how I really see the benefits of our product and the execution of our team is, well, if the money is there for 50 practices to adopt our platform, why wouldn't 50 adopt it? And the only reason that they wouldn't is because they haven't seen the value, or our team hasn't been good in 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 supporting them with the adoption. Because unless you can go in there and show the onboarding, show the benefits to the patient, show how it is a, a very beneficial way of them operating, then there'll be no need to, to 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 onboard. So we 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 get involved on every level, but I think it's very very important to win the hearts and minds of those on the ground. So we spend. I'd say we spend the most of our time with practice managers, receptionists, GP partners. That's where we spend most of our time because these are the individuals on the front line adopting the technology.
1: Out of interest, where does the telehealth sector go beyond just the adoption of this technology mm-hmm. in, in practices? Because you know, you mentioned there a bit about triage. Obviously, there's there's some discussion about the um effectiveness of ai and diagnosis Um, is it is it that this is this is this frontline tool it's it's consultations and then obviously you progress onto something in in a a, a physical uh world or are you looking at kind of expanding the product and and trying to see what else it can do and what might that be
0: yeah it's and, and and very relevant very correct question i think the way the way we look at it is we look at it in phases so what's the problem of today the problem of today from a patient's perspective is access that, that mm-hmm. that's the big problem of today the problem from a clinician's perspective is supporting the demand there's so much demand we don't know how to support it so the problem of today is there, there there's close to 500 million gp appointments per annum how do we support with that demand at the same time how do we create that choice there are some choice which are face-to-face some people like to be say, seen face-to-face totally fine some people like video consultations, some people like chat. So bringing that optionality is important. but a key thing we're trying to do as part of our technology, particularly with the triage, is how does David get seen correctly at the first touch point? So when you come in and say, "I have a mental health issue, how do we get you to a mental health specialist at a first point? Let's not waste time when you speak to a receptionist and then you speak to a GP and then you get a referral and then you get the a right or wrong referral, whatever it may be. There are three or four touch points there. So how do we get you to the right person at the right time? And also something as simple as, um, you know, I, I, I have a, a knee pain. There is no point you seeing your GP about the knee pain. They can't do anything. The maximum they could do is prescribe you some medication until you get seen by a physio. How do we get you to a physio at a first point? So the first focus we have as an organization is how do we make the system more efficient through technology? And how do we support demand? At a time where patients' needs and desires are, are are continuously evolving, so that's the first part we focus on. I personally think that's going to take a couple of years. I, d- I don't think that's an immediate fix. Of course, COVID has mm-hmm. been really spearheaded that. But what we're also doing is 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 once we get the system very very efficient, you know, then we'll move on to the next thing. And and the next thing, you know, one thing that you may or may not be have been aware of is we've just announced the UK's first partnership of of partnering with the pharmacist. Uh, a pharmacy, pharmacy chain. Sorry, so we're now partnered with Well Pharmacy, where therefore, if David downloads the app and has X, Y conditions, as opposed to you going to your GP practice, you can be seen by a pharmacist because demand there may be there, there may be uh, not enough uh, coverage in the GP practice, and really um, integrating this ecosystem. So we have physicians, we have um, pharmacists, we have mental health specialists, we have the GP practice, um, really integrating that whole journey in real time. Um, is very very important and that, and that that's the key focus for us right now at, uh, primarily. Now of course through this journey in the next couple of years, there's going to be some some efficiencies we're going to learn. There may be some things through AI and you know I think AI particularly in healthcare is a very very delicate subject, but it gets thrown out a lot right. So so does Push Doctor have AI today? Yes, we do. We have spell check. Spell check is AI. Uh, great, woohoo, we, we have AI. But I think the market has got AI into thinking well, you don't need a doctor anymore. This AI thing is going to diagnose. And I think anybody with any um, knowledge, particularly of this sector, it is an absolute massive risk today where we are with all the knowledge to say a a, a tool is going to replace a doctor's judgment. We are not there yet. If we're there in 10 years, 20 years, whatever, let's be there. But let's go through the right channels. Let's go through the right governance. Let's go through the right uh, flow and let's get the market ready for that point if it ever comes. And I personally don't ever feel as though we will be AI only. Um, it's, it's one of those things. It will come, it will support in certain areas, but when the time is right, we'll do that. Um, and, and yeah, so that, that, that's how I broadly see the market going.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, look, it's been fascinating to talk about this. Obviously, um, it, it's something that's incredibly relevant right now. And I imagine a lot of people have a vested interest for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, the kind of the insight in how you're working with the NHS and, and, and where you think this might go, super relevant, super interesting. So thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me.
1: So uh, Push Doctor, um, one, of those, one of those apps that we've been increasingly seeing. We've had Valor Health on the show. We've had Babylon Health on the show. Um, Push Doctor is another one. Interestingly enough, after I recorded the interview with Weiss, my local GP sent me a text message uh, inviting me. Um, I'll read it out. Dear patient, we are now providing video, video consultations with a leading online GP, Push Doctor. So, oh, weird on. coincidence, my, my GP is now um, providing these services, kind of underlining the point that there is huge demand uh, for these mm-hmm. partnerships through GP practices um, across the NHS.
3: It's so hard to get an appointment at the GP, especially if you need one a little bit quick time. It's so difficult. So, like they she, like he said in this interview, if you've got knee pain and you need, need help, there's no point going for the GP. You've got to wait however long to get the appointment, then you go there and it's just the most useless visit ever. So this yeah. just sounds brilliant, speeding things up.
1: Pandemic or not, um, by the time you actually see a GP pre-pandemic, you kind of were over whatever the hell it was that you were complaining about. Yeah, mm.
3: they're ancient. They're ancient GPs, aren't they? <laughs>
2: they well, are. But do, do you know what? Do, do you know what I think, right? if If something like this came out pre-pandemic there'd be this whole clout around all you know privacy and security and medical records and personal information and i don't want this person i don't know who's watching you know this could be watched by millions of people listen no one i don't think anyone's interested in, in listening or watching people's hospital appointments Do you know what I mean i mean i don't i don't think i mean you probably said about parish council but that event viral right so like you know but what i'm trying to say is something like this i reckon it's just been accelerated through the pandemic because we've had that kind of distancing rules in play and and you know kind of in lockdown and i think it's actually benefited them do you know what which i mean it's,
1: it's tricky isn't it because because there's this whole there's this two-sided thing to it right which is um you know and why says this himself to a lot of companies you know data is the gold mine here mm. in the NHS. Data is the reason that these companies want to work with the NHS. It's what makes yeah. them valuable. So, yes, like we have to be careful about our privacy and we have to be careful about our data. Absolutely. But mm. on the same hand, like we're not, you're not necessarily talking about giving away any more data than you already have. Like yep. I watched a ridiculous debate on Good Morning TV, uh, Good Morning Brit- Great Britain or whatever, you know, the other thing with Piers Morgan and Susanna um, mm. Reid mm. last week. And it was it was just infuriating because it was all about vaccine passports. Uh, and this 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 person was arguing that they were a terrible thing because then they were going to hold all of your data and da 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 da. And it was like, hang on a minute. Actually, what data are they holding about you that you're worried about? It's whether or not you've had a vaccine. It's not anything else. It's not really actually. It's one piece of data. It's one piece of information. They're not asking for anything else extra that they don't already hold on you. And, and actually, when you want to go abroad on holiday to the, the Maldives or Mauritius, certainly Mauritius, I can't quite remember from Maldives off the top of my head, you need to get a yellow fever jab. You need to be able to prove that you've had jabs to go on holiday. We've yeah, already sure. had that for donkey's years. But my point being that whilst we need to be aware of data we also need to be aware of the fact that that a lot of this is getting blown out of proportion by misinformation by media by oh they're going to have our data they're going to have this information on me isn't this terrible it's like well actually the kind of data that we're talking about having they kind of already have this on you for lots of other various things Hmm.
3: yeah the minute you accept a cookie online like how people i feel like people just jump in on this data bandwagon they'll find anything negative about the vaccine about the vaccine passports and stuff. So but they're giving data out every single day, day by day, each click. So just need to calm down a bit. But
1: well, this goes back to what we were talking about pre-interview, right? When we were rambling around about kind of people going out and having a walk and people need to be a little bit more sensible about the narrative. There's a lot of people just shouting at each other without actually having a proper discussion about stuff that actually matters at the heart of it and that is relevant. It's just a lot of people with a lot of um, inflated opinions that aren't mm. necessarily always that well-informed.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And also there's just people that may have their opinion and they want other people to join it. I mean, like moving away from the data side, if, you know, I had a kind of play on their website before this, and if you look at the way, you know, you can use it and how you can book an appointment and, you know, their kind of UX in terms of just, it looks like you're FaceTiming a pal, um, you know, and, and kind of putting people to ease, I think is, is great. And from a, I think from a generational perspective, we also now need to make sure that, you know, the, the, the kind of older generation I always get my generation X's and Y's and all that sort of stuff wrong. But, you know, those kind of 50 plus people in, in, in the, the, the kind of country. Okay. Boomer. Boomer. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Yeah.
1: Boomers, yeah. Uh,
2: boomers yeah so the boomers you know they need to kind of get on board with with this sort of stuff as well because i think they're the ones that are used to popping into the gp surgery you know doing all this stuff getting you know things like that in
1: fairness we've we've spoken a lot about the fact that they have been quite happy to adopt they have they have they have
2: they have but also i think it it comes more into it comes more into the, the the kind of just being secure in terms of knowing that you know, it doesn't make a difference if someone is sat a desk away in one of those doctor's kind of rooms, Mm -hmm. or if it's on the other side of your phone, like that's not a problem. Um, I had COVID, you know, got kind of called by the doctor and that sort of thing, had a couple of chats over my time that I was kind of isolating and it was fine. Like it was absolutely fine. Like, you, you know, and, and I think doctors prefer it as well, if I'm completely honest, because it really helps them kind of I guess, firstly, to discover what the diagnosis could be. And also, if it is then an emergency, then they know how to fast track you and kind of get proper care. So I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd actually be quite keen to, to understand, you know, a doctor's kind of point of view in this and and kind of see, um, you know, what, what what they think, really. And if this yeah, yeah. would help kind of the, the rates of diagnosis and times and that sort of thing.
1: Well, and and also having that triage function has got to clear up a lot of unnecessary appointments. I bet mm. there's a lot of people that go to the doctor when they don't really need to.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Which only
1: exacerbates that problem of not being able to get to see one when you need one.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's great. Very, very good. I think.
1: And and the the point that he makes about AI is a very similar one to the one about data right it's the same argument he's talking about the fact that um there's a lot of market misinformation out there and like it's like yeah they have we got AI in our app well spell check to a degree i suppose you could you know the same way that everyone else talks about AI it's not AI really and mm-hmm. and and i i think that he spells out that whole that whole piece very well and talks about the fact that it's going to be a very long time before <laughs> if ever that doctor's expertise is replaced by machine learning.
2: I think, yeah, and that's the thing I liked about it. That's the thing I liked about his interview. It was very real. It kind of felt that he was very much like saying, look, I'm not saying we're going to reinvent and and manufacture a doctor from, Mm. you know, wires and bolts and suddenly you'll be speaking to a bot and typing in your diagnosis and sending pictures and they'll be coming back with stuff and saying, oh, well, you've actually got this or you've got that. You know, it is just a platform which is allowing them to kind of work with the NHS, you know, work with accredited doctors to get the kind of fastest treatment and care to the communities um and, and yeah. the trusts, right? And and it's helping and things like this will ultimately ease the load on the NHS. And if we all want to come out of lockdown, that's one of the main pointers that the government's looking at, right? Is yep. is the load on the NHS, the load on hospitals. And when that starts to decrease which things like this you know those people might think oh no actually this might not help but things like these and 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 kind of platforms they will help reduce the load on the nhs and and yeah hopefully true. then we'll, uh, we'll we'll be getting out of our rooms and actually going into the office from a selfish point of view but you know
1: yeah yeah and look this isn't us brushing over the very real concerns about what happens to people's data and data privacy yes. absolutely not but at the same time it's like let's be grown up and have a proper conversation about it rather than just shout at each other Exactly from a point of misinformation.
2: 100%. Yeah. But like it, like Push Doctor, actually. Very good. I
1: can't believe you went on the... A- I'm, I'm impressed you went on the website and I'd play around. Mate, I'm, I'm organised, I am.
2: Well, I haven't said that, I... I'd the text be- match finished
1: early and you had a bit more extra <laughs> no, time. Oh,
2: God, there we go. Don't start about that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not on Friday's one.
1: <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Uh, let's go to an advert break. We'll be back with um, something Harry Potter-esque. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe could be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Deep Nostalgia, a creepy news service, uses AI to animate old family photos.
3: Okay.
1: Okay. Sounds a bit creepy. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is a bit creepy. Right, so the service from MyHeritage uses techniques uh, uh, called deep learning to automatically animate faces right so deep nostalgia a new service from the genealogy site my heritage that animates old family photos has gone viral on social media In another example of how ai-based image manipulation is becoming increasingly mainstream launched in late february the service uses ai technique called deep learning to automatically animate faces in photos uploaded to the system because of its ease of use and the free trial it soon took off on twitter where users uploaded animated versions of old family photos celebrity pictures and even drawings and illustrations um so a little bit more like most deep fakes the name for the popular use of this technology to map one's person's face onto footage of another the service is exceptionally good at smoothly animating features and expressions but it can also struggle to generate data to fill in the gaps uh and it uh in what it can see from the source photos causing a sense of the uncanny right first question Mm. If you've got a picture of a long dead great granddad, do you really need to see it move?
3: I I mean, it's not very like historical, is it?
1: Well, it's just also, it's not, it's not your granddad move. It's not your great granddad moving. let I get it. it, it. Yeah, but why, why do you you, need this? Why, why do
3: you need it? You don't need it. I think it's one of those things. It's quite gimmicky, quite interesting, um, it'll probably get people to go on their site and sign up and, and, you know, join up because they want to see it. It's just attention-grabbing. It's not very sensitive. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, marginally not very sensitive. But some people might like it. Some people might. uh, Maybe. I think it's a bit... um,
1: I
2: think it's a bit, bit, bit weird. I'll be honest, a bit odd. I yeah, think it's odd, yeah. I think it's yeah. odd, and also, also like you know, I don't know what people listen to this are like, but there's there's definitely parts of your family, your family members that you're like, yeah, because you can't choose them. You're like, well, you're part of my family, but I'd rather not have kind of AI and pictures and stuff for you. Do you know what I mean? It's just like you know, I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> of guys. Who, well, I'm sure there's plenty of guys listening <laughs> and they don't really want their mother-in-laws kind of walking around, or do you know what I mean, having any AIs of that, but. i don't don't know it's just a bit odd isn't it a bit weird like i mean
1: there aren't really many there aren't many family videos of me as a kid there are quite a few photos do i want to stick it in and see me moving as a baby maybe no no i don't i don't need that we don't like it's great that my nephew who's two has hours and hours and hours of videos and photos uploaded to the cloud automatically lovely that's his generation but I don't need to go and create fake versions of stuff that's happened for for when that when that tech to record it didn't exist.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also, I don't know if you, if you look back at like baby photos of yourself and stuff, but some of the clobber that you're wearing and some of the things <laughs> that you're doing and stuff, I don't, I don't want to see that movie. It's all right in in photos, and it like. Well, yeah, mate, seconds...
1: I'm old I'm old enough, and my parents were poor enough that it looks like I was brought up in the Soviet Union.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like. <laughs> I don't really want to see movement. It's fine. You look at it for five seconds. Oh, yeah, look. <laughs> yeah, you still look the same. Bang. There you go. Boom. Not interested. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Leave that to it.
1: <laughs> hey, you you seem a bit more on the fence on this.
3: I just love Harry Potter. So, And I love that scene where all, like, you're look, walking past the stairs and they're all kind of following you. That would be great. But also, a
1: bit weird. Bit of an attention-grabbing marketing ploy. Yeah. Right. Uh, we will leave it there for the, for today's show. We'll be back on Friday. Uh, but everyone out there, enjoy the sunshine over here in the UK. There seems to be plenty of it. Otherwise, have a lovely week.